Good morning and welcome to the morning segment of the Friday, January 5th episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I'm Wayne Floyd, your host. The Faith Comes From Hearing podcast is a podcast dedicated to prayer, particularly Puritan prayer, to devotions, to reading of scripture, and to Bible study. Uh, the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast is a humble member of the Christian podcast community. You can find us over at christianpodcastcommunity.org. There's a lot of great listening over there. Over 60 well-curated podcasts, wide, wide variety of topic areas, all covered from a biblical worldview. My brothers and sisters in Christ doing some great work over there. Um, I would definitely recommend you go on over there and find something. I will guarantee you're going to find something over there you want to listen to, and there's a real good chance you're going to find more over there to listen to than you actually have time to listen to it in. Alrighty, well, it is Friday. It is that last day of the week, and we are going to be doing our regular Bible reading, and then we're going to be doing our Bible study for the evening segment. We're going to be doing that Bible study and the Gospel of John. We're going to be moving on in this section about Jesus' prayer and the eternal plan of God. So let's go ahead and open up this morning segment. Um, it's called, uh, we'll open it up with the six day morning prayer. It's called the gospel. Let's pray. O thou most high creator of the ends of the earth, governor of the universe, judge of all men, head of the church, savior of sinners. Thy greatness is unsearchable. Thy goodness, infinite, thy compassions, unfailing, thy providence, boundless, thy mercies ever new. We bless thee for the words of salvation. How important, suitable, encouraging are the doctrines, promises, and invitations of the gospel of peace. We are lost, but in it thou hast presented to us a full, free, and eternal salvation. Weak, but here we learn that help is found in one that is mighty. Poor, but in him we discover unsearchable riches. Blind, but we find he has treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We thank thee for thy unspeakable gift. Thy Son is our only refuge, foundation, hope, confidence. We depend upon his death, rest in his righteousness, desire to bear his image. May his glory fill our minds, his love reign in our affections, his cross inflame us with ardor. Let us as Christians fill our various situations in life, escape the snares to which they expose us, discharge the duties that arise from our circumstances, enjoy with moderation their advantages, improve with diligence their usefulness, and may every place and company we are in be benefited by us. Amen. All right, well, our de morning devotion from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening for January 5th, the text is from Genesis 1-4. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. Light, light might well be good, since it sprang from that fiat of goodness. Let there be light. We who enjoy it should be more grateful for it than we are, and see more of God in it and by it. Light, physical, is said by Solomon to be sweet, but gospel light is infinitely more precious, for it reveals eternal things and ministers to our immortal natures. When the Holy Spirit gives us spiritual light and opens our eyes to behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, we behold sin in its true colors and ourselves in our real position. We see the most holy God as he reveals himself, the plan of mercy as he propounds it, and the world to come as the word describes it. Spiritual light has many beams and prismatic colors, but whether they be knowledge, joy, holiness, or life, 
All are divinely good. If the light received be thus good, what must the essential light be, and how glorious must be the place where he reveals himself? O Lord, since light is so good, give us more of it, and more of thyself, the true light. No sooner is there a good thing in the world, than a division is necessary. Light and darkness have no communion. God has divided them. Let us not confound them. Sons of light must not have fellowship with deeds, doctrines, or deceits of darkness. The children of the day must be sober, honest, and bold in their Lord's work, leaving the works of darkness to those who shall dwell in it forever. Our churches should by discipline divide the light from the darkness, and we should by our distinct, sorry, by our distinct separation from the world, do the same. In judgment, in action, in hearing, in teaching, in association, we must discern between the precious and the vile, and maintain the great distinction which the Lord made upon the world's first day. O Lord Jesus, be thou our light throughout the whole of this day, for thy light is the light of men. All right, well, now we're going to do our reading. Our reading today is Genesis 11 through Genesis 13, verse 4, Matthew 5, the first 26 verses, Psalm 5, and Proverbs 1, verses 24 through 28. In just a minute, I need some coffee here. Uh, such good, such, such good coffee. All right, Genesis 11, hear the word of the Lord. Now the whole earth had the same language and the same words. And it happened as they journeyed east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. Then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and they had tar for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build for ourselves a city, and a tower whose top will reach into heaven. And let us make for ourselves a name, lest we be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Then Yahweh came down to see the city, and the tower which the sons of men had built. And Yahweh said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have the same language. And this is what they have begun to do, so now nothing which they propose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down, and there confuse their language, so that they will not understand one another's language. So Yahweh scattered them from there over the face of the whole earth, and they stopped building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel, because there Yahweh confused the language of the whole earth, and from there Yahweh scattered them over the face of the whole earth. These are the generations of Shem. Shem was one hundred years old and became the father of Arpachshad two years after the flood. And Shem lived five hundred years after he became father of Arpachshad, and he became the father of other sons and daughters. And Arpachshad lived thirty-five years and became the father of Shelah. And Arpachshad lived four hundred and three years after he became the father of Shelah, and he became the father of other sons and daughters. And Shelah lived thirty years and became the father of Eber. And Shelah lived four hundred and three years after he became the father of Eber, and he became the father of other sons and daughters. And Eber lived thirty-four years, thirty-four years, and became the father of Peleg. And Eber lived four hundred and thirty years after he became the father of Peleg, and he became the father of other sons and daughters. And Peleg lived thirty years, and became the father of Ru. And Peleg lived two hundred and nine years after he became the father of Ru and he became the father of other sons and daughters. And Ru lived thirty-two years and became the father of Serug. And Ru lived two hundred and seven years after he became the father of Serug, and he became the father of other sons and daughters. And Serug lived thirty years and became the father of Nahor. 
and Serug lived 200 years after he became the father of Nahor, and he became the father of other sons and daughters. Nahor lived 29 years and became the father of Terah, and Nahor lived 119 years after he became the father of Terah, and he became the father of other sons and daughters. And Terah lived 70 years and became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haram became the father of Lot. And Haran died in the presence of Terah his father in the land of his birth, in Ur of the Chaldeans. Abraham and Nahor took wives for themselves. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Abram's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. And Sarai was barren, she had no child. And Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran his grandson, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went out together from Ur of the Chaldeans, in order to go to the land of Canaan. And they came as far as Haran, and settled there. And the days of Terah were two hundred and five years, and Terah died in Haran. Genesis 12 And Yahweh said to Abram, Go forth from your land, and from your kin, and from your father's house, to the land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abram went forth as Yahweh had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Now Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed from Haran. So Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their possessions which they had accumulated, and the persons which, which they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go forth to the land of Canaan. Thus they came to the land of Canaan. And Abram passed through the land as far as the site of Shishim to the oak of Moreh. Now the Canaanite was then in the land. Then Yahweh appeared to Abram and said, To your seed I will give, you the, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to Yahweh who had appeared to him. Then he proceeded from there to the mountain on the east of Bethel. And he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to Yahweh and called upon the name of Yahweh. And Abram journeyed on, continuing toward the Negev. Now there was a famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. And it happened as he drew near to entering Egypt, that he said to Sarai his wife, Now behold, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance, and it will be when the Egyptians see you that they will say this is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Please say that you are my sister, so that it may go well with me because of you, and that I may live on account of you. Now it happened when Abram came into Egypt that the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. And Pharaoh's officials saw her and praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. Therefore he treated Abram well because of her, and sheep and oxen and donkey and male and female servants and female donkeys and camels came into his possession. But Yahweh struck Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. Then Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her for myself as a wife? So now here is your wife, take her and go. So Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that belonged to him. Genesis 13, the first four verses. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev, he and his wife and all that belonged to him, and Lot with him. 
Now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold, and he went on his journeys from the Negev as far as Bethel, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he had made there formerly. And there Abram called upon the name of Yahweh. All right, in Matthew 5, the first 26 verses. Now when, Je and it, th by the way, this is, this is the, uh, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, and right here at the beginning is the Beatitudes. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the lowly, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how will it be made salty again? Sorry, how will it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out to be trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever do does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that the ancients were told, You shall not murder and whoever murders shall be guilty before the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court, and whoever says to his brother Raka shall be guilty before the Sanhedrin, and whoever says you fool shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. Make friends quickly with your opponent at law while you are with him on the way, so that your opponent may not hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the officer, and you be thrown into prison. Truly I say to you, you will not come out of there until you have paid up the last quadrants. Psalm 5 For the choir director, for the flutes, a psalm of David. Give ear to my words, O Yahweh, consider my meditation. Give heed to the sound of my cry for help, my King and my God, for to you I pray. O Yahweh, in the morning you will hear my voice. In the morning I will order my prayer to you and eagerly watch. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil does not sojourn with you. The boastful shall not stand before 
before your eyes. You hate all workers of iniquity. You destroy those who speak falsehood. Yahweh abhors the man of bloodshed and deceit. But as for me, in the abundance of your loving kindness, I will enter your house. At your holy temple I will worship in fear of you. O Yahweh, lead me in your righteousness because of my foes. Make your way straight before me. There is nothing reliable in their mouth. Their inward part is destruction itself. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. Hold them guilty, O God. By their own devices let them fall. And the abundance of their transgressions thrust, thrust them out, for they are rebellious against you. But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever let them ever sing for joy, and may you shelter them, that those who love your name may exult in you. For it is you who blesses the righteous one, O Yahweh. You surround him with favor as with a large shield. Finally, Proverbs 1, verses 24 through 28. Because I called and you refused, I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention. And you neglected all my counsel and were not willing to accept my reproof. I will also laugh at your disaster. I will mock when, you dr when your dread comes. When your dread comes like a storm and your disaster comes like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me earnestly, but they will not find me. All right, that is our reading for the day. I thank you for spending this time with me. I continue to pray that this time together, uh, spending this time in the Word, um, will continue to keep us saturated in the Word, help, help us to be truly enmeshed in the Word. Um, I hope you have yourself a wonderful day. I would continue to implore you to do all that you do for the glory of God, and I hope to see you for the evening segment. Let's go ahead and close out with prayer. The prayer we're going to use from Valley of Vision to close out is called the All Good. Let's pray. My God, thou hast helped me to see that whatever good be in honor and rejoicing, how good is he who gives them and can withdraw them. That blessedness does not lie so much in receiving good from and in thee, but in holding forth thy glory and virtue that it is an amazing thing to see deity in a creature, speaking, acting, filling, shining through it, that nothing is good but thee, that I am near good when I am near thee, that to be like thee is a glorious thing. This is my magnet, my attraction. Thou art all my good in times of peace, my only support in days of trouble, my one sufficiency when life shall end. Help me to see how good thy will is in all and even when it crosses mine, Teach me to be pleased with it. Grant me to feel thee in fire with and food and every providence, and to see that thy many gifts and creatures are but thy hands and fingers taking hold of me. Thou bottomless fountain of all good, I give myself to thee out of love, for all I have or own is thine, my goods, family, church, self, to do with as thou wilt, to honor thyself by me and by all, and by all mine. If it be consistent with thy eternal counsels, the purpose of thy grace, and the great ends of thy glory, then bestow upon me the blessings of thy comforts. If not, let me resign myself to thy wiser determinations. Amen. Well, again, hope you have yourself a wonderful day, and I hope to see you for the evening segments. Have a good day. God bless.
Good evening and welcome to the evening segment of the Friday, January 5th episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I continue to be Wayne Floyd, your host. Um, wanted to wanted to let you know a few things before we dive in for this evening segment. So, you know, I've been doing, I've been, we've been reading um, using the At the Throne of Grace that is a com- compilation of prayers by John MacArthur put together by his children. We've been using that for our opening prayer, um, which we're probably going to continue to do. And we've been using Drawing Near, which is MacArthur's devotional Bible. We've been using the devotionals each day for our evening devotion. I think we're going to continue using that, but I think I'm going to I'm going to alternate it with a few others. Um, I do have a book of de- of devotions from uh, Thomas Watson uh, that I think I'm going to swap in. I what I'm going to do is I'll change out each week because I'm going to do um, I'm, I'm going to change out each, every seven days. I've got that, and then I've got a book by Jerry Bridges that is a book of devotions that are, that is very, very good. Um, so I'm probably going to swap out between the three of them. You know, every third week I'll change. You know, I'll, I'll you know each week I'll go to the next one, and that way we'll get exposed to all of that. Because of course Thomas Watson is wonderful. Um, if you've never really read the Puritans, he's one of the ones you really want to start with, because um, he's easier to read, a lot easier. Believe me, um, John Owen can be tough. Um, some of those can be can, can be very very tough. They're good, but they're they're harder to read. Thomas Watson can be very very easy to read. So definitely somebody. And and the fact is we uh, we uh, looked at that um, in our uh, uh, what was the book? Godly Man, something of Godly Man that that I read to you um, for a while there while we took a break from our Bible study. Um, the picture, a picture of the Godly Man, um, was very very good. And very, very readable. I mean, it was very, very easy for me to read as is. Um, so definitely worth your while um, there. If you want to pick up any Thomas Watson, that's great. But we're going to do that. And of course, Jerry Bridges, uh, his writing has always been really good and very, very enjoyable, but very, very rich. So we're going to do that. But so that being said, we're still doing MacArthur this um, this evening. So let's go ahead and open up. We are going to read from, again, from... Uh, at the Throne of Grace, the Book of Prayers, from John MacArthur. The prayer we're going to use this evening to open up is called Pursuing the Perfect Righteousness of Christ. And um, that's what we're called to. That's what our walk of sanctification is supposed to be, that we're, we're supposed to be striving. While we may never re- reach it, um, Peter's very clear, I believe it's Peter, that says, you know, work, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And what he's talking about, he's not talking about our, our salvation. When he's saying salvation, he's referring to our walk of sanctification. That's what our walk, our Christian walk should look like, is we're working it out with fear and trembling. We're working it out hard, in this case, pursuing the perfect righteousness of Christ. Thus, our prayer this morning, or this evening. So, and like I said before, MacArthur's prayers, they, they're led in by, by a Bible verse, so I'm going to read that first for you. Um, so the verse for this one is from is Romans 2, verses 1 through 8. You have no excuse, every one of you who passes judgment, for in that which you judge another you condemn yourself, for you who judge practice the same things. And we know that the judgment of God rightly falls upon those who practice such things. But do you suppose this, O man, when you pass judgment on those who practice such things, and do the same yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you think highly of the riches of his kind, or I'm sorry, do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, 
you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each person according to his deeds, to those who, do, who by perseverance in doing good seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life, but to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, wrath and indignation. Let's pray. Lord of glory, we know that you are a righteous God who holds every person justly responsible for his or her own sins. This is consistent with your holy nature. We cannot condemn the sins of others without condemning our own selves, for we are not free from sin. We deserve your judgment, yet you withhold that judgment because you are rich in kindness, long-suffering, tolerance, and patience for the purpose of leading us to repentance. You mercifully warn us that those who remain unrepentant are storing up wrath for the final day when the fullness of your wrath will be revealed. We know that in the end everyone will be, will be brought before your judgment throne. The passage we have just read says those who do evil will perish, and those who do good will enter into eternal life. We confess that we have done evil, and we stand in need of your grace and forgiveness. Yet your word also teaches from cover to cover that salvation is not a reward for good works. Eternal life is granted to sinners like us by grace alone through faith alone. We furthermore know and freely confess that the good works done by believers are fruits of your saving work, not the cause of it. So our only claim to heaven is grounded in the promise that Christ is our righteousness. His own perfection covers believers like a spotless garment. We also confess that it is not within our capability to do anything truly good or contribute any merit toward our salvation. Left completely to ourselves, we would do nothing but evil. Even the very best of our works are flawed by fleshly imperfections and tainted with mixed motives. Thus we understand and confess that those whom this text speaks of as doing good receive eternal life because of Christ's work, not as a reward for their own works. Whatever is truly good in any of our deeds is the fruit of your grace and empowerment. Our hope, therefore, lies not in any merit or good works of our own. We trust Christ alone for salvation, and we humbly and fervently pray that our lives might reflect his character, show forth the glory of his righteousness, and be living examples of his goodness. Clothe us not only in his righteousness, but also in his wisdom, his virtue, his holiness, and his humility. Conform us perfectly to his image, according to your eternal purpose. We do not deserve such favor. On the contrary, our only plea is that the publican who prayed, I'm sorry, is that of the publican who prayed, God be merciful to me, the sinner. And when we come to that final judgment, may we be found in Christ, and therefore in the company of the one who, by perseverance in doing good, sought for glory and honor and immortality on our behalf. In the words of the Apostle Paul, may we be found in Christ, not having a righteousness of our own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ and righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. We ask these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lived and died and rose again, in order that we might have life. Amen. All right. Well, in our devotion... Here, as I said, is from Drawing Near, the MacArthur Devotional Bible, and it is the one for January 5th. And um, let's see, the title for it is Cultivating a Heavenly Perspective, and the text is Ephesians 1 3. 
God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I think the one for yesterday was the same thing. Christians hold a dual citizenship. We are citizens of earth, but more importantly, we are also citizens of heaven. It's been said that some Christians are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. But usually the opposite is true. Many Christians are so enamored with this present world that they no longer look forward to heaven. They have everything they want right here. The health, wealth, and prosperity doctrine has convinced them that Christians can have it all. So they promise the good life, I'm sorry, so they pursue the good life with a vengeance. Despite the prevalence of such thinking, the old Negro spiritual says, says well, this world is not my home. I'm just a, just a passing through. Paul reminds us of that truth in Philippians 3.20. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we must set our minds on heavenly, not on earthly things. Colossians 3.1 and 2. Our deepest affections and highest aspirations should center there. Our actions and decisions should reflect heavenly priorities, not earthly indulgences. Even though we live in a sin-stained world and most constantly fight against its, con its corrupting influences, God hasn't left us stranded. He extends to us all the rights and privileges of our heavenly citizenship. Let that assurance encourage you today to live to his glory and to rely on his heavenly provision. Take care not to let impure aspirations or trivial pursuits distract you from your heavenly priorities. Suggestions for Prayer Tell Jesus how thankful and full of praise you are because of the place he is preparing for you in heaven. John 14, 1-3 Pray for a greater awareness of the fleeting value of this yeah, the fleeting value of this world and the surpassing value of the world to come. 1 John 2, 17. Well, <laughs> it's happened a couple days in a row now. Uh, the, the devotion there um, kind of leads into, <laughs> into what we're studying here. So, give me a second. I need a little coffee here. So, we're continuing our study of John chapter 17. And we've moved from uh, what we were working on before. We were dealing with the section about um, this, the real Lord's Prayer and that, you know, basically the setup, the setting of it, the substance of it, the significance of it. And then last evening we talked about, we, we went into a section called Jesus Prayer and the Eternal Plan of God. And that's part of what we had talked about, even of the substance of the prayer when we were talking about it. And so the crux of this prayer is, is, um, divine communication between two members of, of the Trinity about this plan and really pointing out the focus that, um, for that it is for God to be glorified and the son being glorified in God. So, you know, that, that being the crux of it. And then it, but, and it talks about it and we talked about it, you know, last evening, um, we talked about, so first, first section we talked about is the right he possessed and that's the right to give eternal life, that right he possessed to be able to give eternal life. And we really, really kind of dug into that. Well, what, what we're going to look at for this evening is the relationship he offers. So that was in verse two. We're going to look at the relation he offers, which is in verse three. Now I'm going to just start at John 17, verse one. I'm going to read all the way through to verse three. 
Jesus spoke these things, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him he may give eternal life. So that's his right, okay? Verse 3, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So this verse is about the relationship that is offered, that is offered by Christ. Okay, this is all about Christ, this prayer. And again, we've talked about it, that this first section is Jesus praying for himself. But again, we, we were very, very clear that this is not a selfish prayer type. This is, this is not him going, oh God, please do for me. His, his prayer is about his work for the kingdom, his work for the glory of God. And, it, and it's that he be able to do this. So he's praying about the right that he possesses that he may give eternal life there at the begin, at the end of verse 2. But then it's speaking also of the relationship he's offering. It speaks of this relationship, what this relationship is. It's trying to make clear to the disciples and to you and I what this relationship is. So verse three again, and this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So again, he says he may give eternal life in verse two, and then it leads in verse three, and this is eternal life. So it makes clear he's going to describe what that eternal life looks like, that what that relationship is, because don't misunderstand this eternal life. And we're going to dig into this is is about a relationship it's not just this random thing so we're going to talk about that but what we first need to look at here is so verse three and this is eternal life that they may know you the only true god that they may know god and jesus christ whom you sent that they they may know you my father you know god and myself jesus christ I, i'm not saying me i'm saying this is him speaking that they would know you now, we've talked about this before, and so if you really read that and think he's talking about an intellectual knowing, um, I'm not sure you've been paying attention to the Bible study. I don't say that to be insulting. I'm just saying we've talked about this a good bit, but we, we have to know the Greek here for know, it implies not just an intellectual knowledge, but an, an intimate, deep, loving relationship. An intimate, deep, loving relationship. And he's saying that's eternal life, that they may know you. They may have that intimate, deep, loving relationship with God and with Jesus Christ who was sent to them. That's what it's talking about here. Um, Acts 4.12, and there is salvation and no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among, among men by which we must be saved. Again, we made clear um, in our study last night that eternal life is only for those who are saved. So Acts 4.12 here is speaking of that there's only one person through which we can be saved. And of course, that is through Christ. Thus, that's where that knowledge comes from, that, that eternal life, that, that, that knowing, that intimate, deep, loving relationship comes through Jesus Christ to God. 1 Timothy 2.5, for there is one God and one mediator also between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So again, I mean, very, very clear that it is through Jesus. That's why Jesus is in this statement. And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So this eternal life is this relationship he offers us with the Father. 
and with him the Son, our Savior. So the core of eternal life is being a part of a blessed relationship with Jesus Christ. Christ John 1, 4. John 1, 4. I, mean, I know it's been a long time since we were in John 1, but John 1, 4. In him, this is speaking of Christ, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Speaking of eternal life right there. So that's the relationship he offers, that eternal life. That eternal life comes through Jesus and Jesus only. Through Jesus and Jesus only. Um, we need to see clearly that eternal life in this case does not just refer to the length of our life. Uh, again, it's really easy. And, and that's kind of the default. And I mean, it's a default for everybody. I, I'm the same as everybody else. When I think of eternal life, I think of length. I think of the fact that, that I'm going to live from now fact fact is i was already planned in the mind of god before the foundation of the earth not it, i didn't just magically come into his thought at my conception i was planned for long before that he knew me long before that he knew me before i was in my mother's womb okay but then i am going to exist off into eternity okay um and and i'm gonna tell you something very, very clear. And this, this shakes some people, but, um, this, this, you know, this shakes some people, but I'm going to say it. Everybody has, everybody gets an eternal life. Note, I don't say eternal life as gets it, but gets an eternal life. Everybody lives an eternal life. But so all people live eternally. But as in real estate, the important part is location, location, location. Or you can say it this way, is relationship, relationship, relationship. The relationship Jesus offers is one of continual, close, loving relationship with the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. But those who aren't saved, and, and that's for those who are saved. Again, this is not, as, as, we, as we talked about when we were talking to verse 2 last night, Notice uh, we get into section B of that thing. So even as you have you gave him authority over all flesh, Jesus has authority over all flesh, flesh that to all whom you have given him, that doesn't mean all mankind, all that were given to Christ, all that were saved, all that were drawn to him. Again, we are drawn to Christ. We are drawn to salvation. We don't come off of our own accord. We are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We are regenerated by the Holy Spirit. We are, we are made to where we can long for it. Okay. So again, that relationship, that true eternal life, as that encompasses that, that continual close loving relationship with, as I said, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent is for the saved. But those who are not saved do not have this relationship. Um, and, and, and again, the Gospel of John is very clear. Jesus is very clear in the here. John 3.36 He who believes in the Son has eternal life. But he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Okay? So again... <laughs> The one who does not obey the son will not see life. Again, that's somebody who does not have saving faith in Christ. There is only one way. There is only one way. Um, did I not record? Of course I didn't. Um, Jesus is very clear where he says he is the way, the truth, and the life. 
and that no one comes to the Father except through him. So it's very, very clear. If you don't believe in the Son, if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, and that was the problem for these Pharisees, these Sadducees, these priests, these scribes, they didn't believe him. They were condemned. I mean, that belief was the un un unforgivable sin. Now you had a few that were showing that, that were showing some questioning. Nicodemus being one, um, Joseph of Arimathea being another. Maybe there were a few others, but the majority of them made very very clear they didn't believe in him. They they didn't care what the evidence was, and the evidence was very very clear. We talk about that. I mean, John even says it um, in John twenty verse thirty one. Um, let me read it to you again. This is the purpose of this whole gospel. John 20, 31. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So he wrote all of this, all, all this discourse by Jesus, all, all these sermons and prayers by Jesus, well, the, the couple that are, um, all these miracles by Jesus were written so that we would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing we may have life in his name, we may have eternal life, we may have saving faith. Okay? That, that was the whole purpose of this gospel. And, and this makes this clear as well. Um, in these verses I've brought to you, he's very, very clear here. Um, but what we also need to see is that this eternal life is not only in the future, but is present as well. It's for the present as well. John 5, 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me, means, meaning believe God, has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. Now, let me go back. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has the Greek there for has not only implies in the future, but at the current moment as well. It's a now and in the future reference. As in the relationship started at our moment of salvation and continues out into eternity. And, and you can see that portrayed a couple of different ways. First uh, John 5.13 These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Again, the have there, it's saying now and in the future. It's not just saying, hey, here, it, it's not like, um, <laughs> I was trying to think of kind of a picture. It's not a, hey, um, here, I've, I'm giving you a, you a coupon and you can redeem this coupon upon your death and then you will get eternal life. It's that eternal life starts now. And there are blessings from it. Again, I talked to you about that, all those spiritual blessings we saw in Ephesians 1, and I think I spoke about it last night, all those spiritual blessings that come from eternal life, come from being saved, those spiritual blessings that, that Paul speaks of there in that epistle. Um, yes, I will agree. We will experience, experience this eternal life more fully in the age to come when we are face to face with Jesus Christ. But so much of it is given to us now. So much of it is given to us now. If we truly appropriate it, if we truly appropriate it, it's there. It's being handed to us. But are we sticking our hands in our pockets? Are we sticking our hands in our pockets? Seriously. Um, I, truly, um, 
my wife can tell you straight up um i've now been saved for 16 years 16 17 years and my wife will talk to you about it and i'm not saying this to 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 pat myself on the back because believe me my wife is very very different as well she's been saved about the same time she was saved shortly before i was um and she's one of the instruments god used to save me um but she's very very clear about the fact that i'm not the same man she married i'm nothing like that the fact is even in my walk appropriating those spiritual benefits those spiritual blessings that I'm not even the same man I was five, six years ago, seven years ago, eight years ago. I'm not that same guy. That there have been distinct changes in who I am. Sure, some of them I have striven for. Some of them have just, they, they've happened. They've happened through the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. That's part of that eternal life working out within us is those changes, those things we can't tolerate. We've gotten to the point, don't, and don't get me wrong, my wife and I have never been ones to watch, I don't know really how to word it, smut, and I'm not really necessarily talking porn, but smut on TV, we've never been ones to really sit and watch, you know, risque TV stuff that, that just really leans over the edge. Okay, we've never been ones to do that. But more and more as we've gone through the years, um, we've just found ourselves having to step further and further away from what's out there. Um, because honestly, it's become worse and worse, and we've become less and less tolerant of it. Um oh, what was I what were we watching recently? Um, we were watching back through something that we had watched before. It was and it was something kind of comedic. But we find ourselves having to jump whole episodes um, because we're like, no, we're not going to expose ourselves to this. No, we're not going to expose ourselves to this. Just to the point, we we can't take it. We don't we don't want to take it. We don't we don't want to immerse ourselves. We've we've come to the point with certain shows that the shows that we watched originally. Now, some of this was pre being saved. We won't even touch. We just will not touch. And again, these were ones that people considered family entertainment. Back in the day, these would be shows like from the 90s, the early 2000s uh, and and would would be family entertainment and we won't watch. Um, and, and it's just the these these things we 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 are provided these blessings. But again, we've got to realize that we, we, we have to truly grasp the fact that when we speak of eternal life, that when it says here in verse two, John 17, verse two. Um, he may give eternal life and then goes on and this is eternal life and then goes to describe it again it's it's not just oh boy it's not like all of a sudden you had an account that had you know a hundred bucks in in it and now it has an infinite amount of money in it it's not like that it's not just more that way it's you've gone from being truly being at enmity with God, being at war with God, being in hate against God, to being, like I said, that close, loving, intimate relationship with God, that truly agape relationship, um, agape being the Greek, that, that, that relationship with God 
through Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying we can't pray directly to God. Please don't ever think when I'm speaking of Jesus as a mediator. The, the gospel speaks of him being our mediator. He is our mediator. But that doesn't mean we can't pray directly to God. Actually, Jesus even tells the disciples throughout this upper room discourse and stuff that now you can pray to God and he will grant this because you have loved me. We saw that at the end of chapter 16. But he's very, very clear on this, though, that that, that loving relationship with them, it's basically a re- loving relationship with the whole entirety of the triune Godhead. That is eternal life. And yes, it will go out into the future. And yes, when, when we go to glory, we will be face to face with him. And again, we will more fully experience this in that age to come. But it doesn't mean we've got to wait for it. It's not that you're standing. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just had a picture. I'm sorry. One of the programs my wife and I used to watch was Scrubs. And admittedly, some of it can be pretty, pretty bad. But it made me think of uh, one of the episodes. Um, Ted was one of our favorite characters on this show. And unfortunately, the actor has passed away. Um, we loved him. He was just a wonderful, wonderful actor. Um, but but Ted is kind of the sad sack. Um, actually, I, I think one of the other characters on the show calls him the sad sack. But they end up bringing... Um, a coffee bucks. It's a coffee shop into the hospital. And then they turn around and bring a second one in there. And Ted is standing at the back of the line for the one. And then realizes there's another one and realizes he's at the back of the line, of the other. And he goes, now I'm at the back of both lines. Well, that's not us. And I'm sorry. I, I, I know that's kind of humorous and, and kind of goofy, but that's what, that's not us with this eternal life. It's like, not like, no, I'm at the back of both lines and we got to wait till we get to the front of the line to cash in on this eternal life. We are blessed with it now. But will we appropriate it? Will we put aside the things of this world? Again, think about thinking about what um, MacArthur was saying in in that um, devotional. We get so caught up on the things of the world. Truly, as long as I can pay my bills as best as I can, I don't want the things of this world. I want the things of God. We need to be that way. We need to want the things of God. Don't get me wrong. I get beat up and get beat, beat down sometimes by the things of the world that, that, that I'm struggling with. But I want the things of God. And they're in that eternal life that we are given if we are saved. Again, John 3.36, he who believes in the Son has eternal life. But he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. John 5, 24, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. Jesus is that life. And that life was the light of men, John 1, 4. But are we going to reach out and appropriate that life? Are we going to grab it? Are we going to hold that light high and show this world the spiritual blessings we've been given? Because how truly blessed we are. Or are we going to sit there and shove our hands in our pockets? I would pray that we would take hold of that eternal life and avail ourselves of those spiritual blessings and manifest those spiritual blessings to those around us. All right. Well, that's going to do it for today. 
Thank you for spending this time with me. I hope you've had a wonderful week. I hope our time together has continued um, to to uh, help your your knowledge grow in the scripture. And as we're working our way through John 17 here, um, I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Please, please worship with the saints. If you are not physically able to, um, please join us. Um, on live stream, we stream live at 12:30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, you can find us at Vale Valley Baptist Church on Facebook, and we'll be streaming on on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it um, at at VVB Church. Um, if you're in the Casa Grande, Arizona area, um, my my um, my brother in Christ, Gabe Hughes, um, and I gotta find. Uh, I need to find. Um, where he is preaching now he they they moved which i think is awesome they moved there we go providence reformed baptist church in casa grand providence reformed baptist church gabe is wonderful i listen to gabe every day i listen to his podcast every day he is wonderful i am so glad he and becky and their family are out here uh we're trying to set up because we want to go visit them um so definitely if you're in the casa grand area and don't have a, a solid church for yourself Go and join them. Absolutely. Um, I think it would be amazing. Um, but again, if, if you can't physically worship with the saints anywhere, please join us on live stream. We would love to have you there. All right. Well, let's go ahead and close out with prayer. We're going to go close, close out. Wow. Having trouble saying there. Close out with the six day evening prayer. It's called the mediator. How, how perfect is that? Let's pray. Oh, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we hope in thy word. There we see thee, not on a fearful throne of judgment, but on a throne of grace, waiting to be gracious and exalted in mercy. There we hear thee saying, Not depart ye cursed, but look unto me, and be ye saved. For I am God, and there is none else. They that know thy name put their trust in thee. How many now glorified in heaven, and what numbers living on earth are thy witnesses, O God? Exemplifying in their recovery from the ruins of the fall, the freeness, riches, and efficacy of thy grace. All that were ever saved, were saved by thee, and will through eternity exclaim, Not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and truth's sake. Thou hast chosen to transact all thy concerns with us through a mediator, in whom all fullness dwells, and who is exalted to be prince and savior. To him we look, on him we depend, through him we are justified. May we derive relief from his sufferings, without ceasing to abhor sin, or to long after holiness. Feel the double efficacy of his blood, tranquilizing and cleansing our consciences. Delight in his service as well as in his sacrifice. Be constrained by his love to live not to ourselves, but to him. Cherish a grateful and cheerful disposition, not murmuring and repining if our wishes are not indulged, or because some trials are blended with our enjoyments, but sensible of our desert and impressed with the number and greatness of thy benefits. May we bless and praise thee at all times. Amen. All right, again, I hope you have yourself a wonderful night, and I hope to see you tomorrow morning. Have a good night. God bless.